What's going on, coaches? Uh, go over to our website, runthepower.com. We've got a lot of, uh, obviously, other episodes for you guys from the podcast. We've got articles. We've got uh, video summits for you guys. Uh, we've also got RTP Premium, which is uh, a bunch of different uh, episodes and different channels from different videos that we do uh, and put out. So we've just put out a new special teams one. I just did a new video over odd protection. Uh, and soon, Coach Walls actually just came down to the dojo. We get to hang out together in the dojo and, and work on some things. And so we'll be coming out with us breaking down uh, a few different clips of games or um, some film that we have from some college games. So uh, all that's over at runthepower.com. Also, on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central, we have Eric Kapitulik from the program. He's going to talk about leadership and uh, fighting through adversity. He's a Marine that uh, started the program with fellow Marines. They go around to Division I programs all across the country uh, and work with them uh, with program leadership. So we're excited to bring you guys that for free. Again, you can watch it live on our website, runthepower.com slash program, or you can go over to our YouTube channel and watch it live, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on Wednesday. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. They get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull. Uh, and formations so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at justplaysolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with J.T. O'Sullivan. Coach O'Sullivan is the head coach at Patrick Henry High School in San Diego, California. He's also the creator of the QB School YouTube channel that has quickly established itself as one of the top football resources on the Internet today. Listen as we talk with Coach O'Sullivan about his stories as an NFL quarterback, both starting and playing and backing up some of the all-time greats in the NFL. We also talk about his quarterback school videos and how he can relate to fans, coaches, and players alike with his QB analysis, X's and O's, and inside information about how professional organizations are run. You can follow Coach O'Sullivan on Twitter at JT underscore O'Sullivan and at the underscore QB underscore school. Hope you guys enjoy. 
well, Coach, let's go ahead and get it started, man. So uh, kind of how we always start this thing, uh, for the few people maybe that, that don't know about you, but uh, how we always started is kind of let you introduce yourself and, and give, uh, you know, your, your football journey really is, is what we mean by introduce yourself. So kind of your, your football journey, uh, you know, from, from playing to coaching and, and kind of how that brought you to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, fellas, I'm a fan and I listen to a lot of it. You know, I just – I could talk for probably two days about the journey that I've been on. So, you know, if you got questions about things that hit that I don't talk about, just circle back with me. Perfect. Perfect. You're good. You're good to go whenever, whenever (laughs) you want. All right. So yeah, my football seems like it's been a part of, you know, my entire process around sports. And so for me personally, it started, I was a flag football kid growing up, you know, always asked my parents if I could do pop Warner peewee and, they never let me. And so I was a flag football kid up until high school. Got a chance to high school at kind of an all boys Catholic school. And we were pretty good and had a great experience in high school. And actually my, the guy who played ahead of me, my freshman and sophomore year, the varsity quarterback was a guy named Gio Carmazzi. He ended up getting drafted in the third round by the Niners. And his dad was our coach and longtime athletic director in the Sacramento area. And he was a Davis quarterback. So I, then I ended up going to UC Davis, which was a division two school in Northern California. And so I really ran the same system for nine years. And so it was really a pleasure and, you know, great opportunity to dive deep into some stuff that I was really familiar with. Had a great time in college and had a great time with division two ball, non-scholarship ball. And we had a really special thing going division two wise there at the time. And fortunate enough to get drafted and got picked in the sixth round pick 186, 11th quarterback that year and uh, with the New Orleans Saints. And so it was a perfect kind of opportunity for me, New Orleans. I'm a California kid now. There's no denying that. And so going to the South was uh, eye-opening, but a great experience, you know, single, not married, out of school, New Orleans, a good time with a bunch of good guys. and And we were pretty good at the time. So I was there for two years, then went to NFL Europe once, had a good time playing. You know, as a quarterback, I didn't get a chance to play in the league as a early on. And so wanted to play, went over there, played, had a good experience, came back, probably played too well, ended up getting traded to green Bay. And so went from a really good situation in new Orleans where I thought I was close to playing or having a chance to play to going to back up Brett Favre. Doug Peterson was on the roster. Craig Nall was on the roster too, that they really liked. So I went from basically the two to the four and, uh, and it really set me back a little bit as far as, you know, where I thought I was going to get a chance to play. So I ended up getting cut. Today I ended up drafting Aaron Rodgers the next year. So get cut after camp there, get on a practice squad with Chicago. Then I get picked up with Minnesota for a year. Then I'm on the practice squad out of the league for a year in New England, Carolina. Then I go back to NFL Europe, have another good run, and uh, get picked up. Mike Mark sees my film, gets picked up with Detroit, where I'm the backup. And uh, then I get a chance to follow Mike to the 49ers where I end up playing for half the first year. Then another year in Cincinnati, get cut out there. Then I get picked up by San Diego, cut in San Diego, picked up in Oakland. Then the lockout happens. Then I'm in in Canada with the uh, Rough Riders for a year. And so that was kind of my playing experience. And then I really, after that, hard to believe after that, I was kind of exhausted with football and, uh, <laughs> God, I bet. and needed a break. And so really when I started playing, I really went to Davis thinking I was going to coach. There's a long history of guys who have gone there and coached on the mm-hmm. West coast, uh, you know, 
the probably the most famous is Chris Peterson, just retired from Washington, was a Davis quarterback. And so I thought I was going to coach. And, you know, I, I think most people, most young coaches think that they are going to coach at the highest level. So I wanted to be like the general manager, head coach in the league. And then I was around it for so much and moved so much. That was absolutely the last thing I want to do. So I'm never moving again. And, uh, and just kind of <laughs> wanted to, I, I had for a long time, known that you know it's the best temporary job I was ever going to get so I was always kind of on the outskirts of the league so I you know looking for what was next was not new to me and so I really wanted to go back to school had a great time in college athletics athletics had meant a lot to me it wasn't necessarily just football though I you know I played everything growing up like I think most people do or did and so I wanted to go back to school the league pays for you to go back to school so it's kind of silly for you not to take advantage of, of that kind of stipend so I went back to school, finished my, my master's, finished my doctorate, and then all of a sudden had this free time on my hands and was looking around and, and football, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily missing the itch. I just kind of, you know, it meant so much to me. It was such a trampoline in my life. I was looking for an opportunity to, to give back, stay connected with it a little bit. And so I started applying for high school jobs around San Diego, didn't get the first one I applied to, and then got the next one. And it's been a nice fit for me at Patrick Henry. I coach with one of my best friends out here in San Diego, and we're trying to uh, took over a program that was one and nine the year before we got there. Scored sixty points total, and you know, trying to get in on the right path moving forward. But we're having a good time trying to build it, create a great experience for our students. So, so obviously, kind of how how obviously we heard about you was, um, you know, and I think Coach Walls had had been watching a lot of your videos, but um, we actually did have uh, Coach Schneider, who is over at Bigsby uh, here in Oklahoma. He came over to the dojo. We talked football, and, and all he could talk about was, was your videos, which I think he's reached out to you, uh, which I'm sure several coaches have. But he reached out to you, talked about how, you know, how great your videos were. And so then I started watching them, and then I'm like, Walls, did you? And then Walls like, yeah, I've been watching them. And so um, obviously with all that time in the NFL, uh, you've, I'm sure, picked up, and you talk about, you know, picked up a lot of, of different offenses. And I'm sure at the NFL level – very, very complex, you know, offenses. Was that difficult at all to then go and teach that to high school kids? I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's not the exact same. Is that something that you tried to find, you know, the, the most important parts of offenses and, and boil it down? What was your thought process maybe as, as you go and, and take all of this, you know, professional knowledge that you have and, and go to teach something to high school kids? Well, you guys are being very kind about the channel. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it. I hope that comes across in the videos. You know, I, it, it really came from a part of me just kind to experiment to see, you know, how much I wanted to do football wise. And I really, really enjoy it. I'm, YouTube is a crazy platform, powerful on many different levels. And so I appreciate that. The element of how I have been, you know, trying to install it and teach it to our players. It's kind of a, a nested response. You know, I've been thinking about coaching for as long as I can remember. And so, you know, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, it's definitely not an NFL playbook, but I don't necessarily dumb down the concepts, if that makes sense. You know, we definitely don't have the volume that we would carry on a week to week, you know, or on a league level. But, you know, there's only so many ways to run four verticals or smash or, you know, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. And so I might have a different way to present it to them because I can tell them with some, you know, idiosyncratic credit, like, hey, you know, this is how they do it in the league. Not only how they do it in the league, but this is how a third of the league does it. That's how many teams I played for. 
And so it's like that element, I think, resonates with, with players quickly, but there's no secret sauce. You know, you, you got you to gotta be, you know, kind of technically sound. I'm, I'm really specific, specifically with the quarterback position about what, I, what the expectations are. And I know exactly what, not know exactly, I try to tailor it by what their capacity is to handle. Our guy last year had a, had a great capacity. He was bought in. And, uh, you know, he helped build it in the right direction. Now we got two guys competing for the spot that are both excellent athletes. And, I mean, we throw it more than anybody in San Diego. Shocker for you probably. But, uh, you know, it's, it's – I think – I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn, but, like, it's the exact offense that I wish I could have played in as a quarterback. So it's uh, every play, every run. I, you know, the RPO thing is it is what it is out here. And uh, every play is a pass play, and, and we're ready to roll. We're trying to score as fast as we possibly can. Coach, I think, you know, <clears throat> the coolest part about your channel is, you know, there's something there for literally everybody. You know, you, you cover X's and O's. You cover, you know, a lot of your personal experiences, you know, life in the league. And, you know, you're, you're also doing some, some draft things where you're also breaking down QBs. You know, can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Was that kind of the, the goal going in? you know, try to hit as many different, you know, platforms or as many different types of people who quote love football as you possibly could, or is that just something you're like, you know what, I love making videos and I'm just going to keep making as many as I can. No, you know, I appreciate that. Yes, it was intentional. I think, you know, I, I think the overarching goal, kind of the output that I was hoping would resonate with people is just, I, it's basically the channel I wish existed when I was just starving for football, like a high school guy who knew that this is what I love. I wish, you know, what's, what, is there a secret sauce in the league? Like, what are they doing? You know, how, how are they talking about it? That kind of peep behind the curtain, but also I want it to resonate with, you know, I played overseas or I played internationally three different times. There's a huge market for people who are trying to understand American football. So I want it to touch that bucket because it meant something for my life. I want it to touch the coaching bucket because I coach. You know, I want it to touch the, you know, just the fan because it means a lot when you're, you know, when you, even, even at the high school level, you know, people come to the games and they pay. And it's not necessarily entertainment. It's about the student-athlete experience. But when you're a professional, it's entertainment. And so I have a high appreciation for fans and just people who are starving to kind of get a little bit more than a highlight. And not that the broadcasts don't do a great job. You know, they do. And there's many different platforms to y'all's point. You know, I, I'm a fan of the podcast. I listen to it as a coach and as a fan. But there's many different platforms for you to get content. And so I'm just trying to provide that little bit of something different as far as maybe a deeper dive than you can get, you know, on a broadcast show. You just can't go that deep. You can't rewind a play five times. You can't, you know, that type of stuff is just hard to handle. So that's what I enjoyed as a player. Like I thought it was fun to be at the quarterback meetings go deep into it, get better, see a little nuanced detail that could make my game that I could translate to take it out onto the field. Those are the type of things I'm trying to provide that, you know, might not be available other places. I'll tell you, that was, that's the, the part of it that I enjoy the most uh, is, is when you're talking to the coaches and, and you've got those games broken down for coaches. I think that's awesome. Uh, uh, you know, it was funny because me and Walls have talked about that. It seems like two years now um and and i'm sure you know whatever about esp and i'm sure they're great uh and and they get a lot of good stuff but um you know me and walls are we're always like man how cool would it be if if you could just have video and have coaches on there talking and the coaches are breaking things down how many coaches would love this and and then 
you know, they slightly did it with with Peyton Manning. I think he has his details on on ESPN Plus, which I, you know, I enjoy that as well. But at times, even that seems to where they're still, you know, at times pandering more to fans um, than they are, you know, purely coaches. And so that's that's what I've really enjoyed. You know, I think the first one I watched of your videos was was the mic point. It was just a really cool. It, it, it's just cool to see football and, and hear it talked about um, from other coaches uh, in a in a coaching aspect. And maybe that one was more for fans, uh, but it was just it was a really cool way that 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 you've got it set up. And and you know, like I've said, me and me and Walls have talked about that for years. How how we wished you know someone would would broadcast or not broadcast every play, but but break down a film like that go through and talk about it. And it was, it's been really cool to watch. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that makes, I'm smi- I'm over here smiling because I really don't intentionally make it for any one audience. Like it's just like, I think that's the part that I hope comes across is it's just authentically me. Like I touch all those buckets. Like I'm a fan. I like the quarterback position cause I played it and I spent a lot of time there, but to be a quarterback, you got to understand the nuance of offensive line. You got to understand the perimeter. You got to understand what's happening on the defensive side of the ball. And so I hope that those things come across like that. And, it, and, I, and I'm glad that it resonates with, with the coaching community. You know, it's humbling for me because I've only coached for one year. And it's crazy to me to see the coaching community on the social media aspect and, and how that's such a tight knit community and aspires me that, you know, people are out there trying to learn and just, you know, the zoom fests that are going on right now with so many stuff available. And so I'm always kind of humbled that people uh, resonate with the content. So, so to me, you know, the coolest part to, to look at with, with NFL quarterbacks that I see are, are that they have such an unbelievable understanding. It seems like of, of protections. Um, and it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I was in college with a great college quarterback case Keenum uh, and, and he knew, uh, you know, everything about the pass game, but we didn't ask him to even know anything about protections in college. And so I had never been, you know, around that. And then, you know, I, I hear different stories or watch different videos and, and these quarterbacks know, you know, it seems like almost everything about protections and our, the good ones are, are sliding it where they want to. And, and um, you know, it, it's, it's really, really cool for me to see. Is that something? So I guess two questions. Is that every quarterback that starts in the NFL or is that just certain systems and special guys? And is that something that you think that a high school quarterback can know? Maybe not all of it, but do you think that's something a high school quarterback should know? Uh, The first part, the first answer is no, not every quarterback does know that in the league. Uh, I think the vast majority of them do have a pretty strong understanding of it. And I think that they're the coaches are so locked in that if a guy doesn't have a great understanding of it, it's one thing also, I've been around a number of guys, different places that have a great understanding of it on a whiteboard or in a meeting. But when you're up under center, it's too fast. You know, there's a different level. I always tell people, that's the one thing about watching film that I'm always kind of like, yeah, it's not really like playing because you've got that bird's eye view. You know, I always want to think through the face mask is how I used to visualize things. Mm. And so it's a different perspective seeing like, oh yeah, I'm hot here. Yeah, well, that's great. You know, from the sideline or from the end zone but like can you see it under center you know that type of thing it's just a different type of understanding of protections is the first part the second part about the high school quarterbacks I mean my very limited anecdotal experience is yeah absolutely now we're not running anywhere near the volume of protections that we have right. in the league but can our guy 
last year understand where he was going to be hot? Absolutely. Now, is he doing redeclarations? No, but I'm not asking him to do that. And we're also not playing, you know, we're in spread them out. You know, I can, everybody in the stadium can tell when they're blitzing. So it's a little bit different from that perspective as opposed to being in like 21 personnel and getting hit with some, you know, creeper safety. <laughs> Coach, uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, my, my biggest question was going to be, you know, the, the quarterback room. You know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you, you said you, you loved meetings uh, and, and also, you know, understanding that, you know, when it's a professional job and you're getting paid money, obviously it's, it's competition all the time but you still have to work in an environment, you know, where you at least get along well enough or you are professional. Can you, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, different quarterback meetings or maybe different quarterback situations you were kind of in, in the league and, and maybe what were some of your, your favorite parts of it and what were some of your least favorite parts? Oh man, that's a loaded question on many levels. I love it. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I really do think it is a sacred spot. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of gone away nowadays, but it's very similar to the huddle you know, or the locker room, you know, as a nice analogy for football. But it's in the league, it's a little bit different from the quarterback perspective, just because one guy gets to play, you know, it's not quite the same as being in the old line room, where there's that cool unity. Because right, multiple it seems guys, so weird. Like, yeah, there's only one dude playing. And so it doesn't take away the competitive element of it. You know, I can't tell you, I was never in a room where I didn't think I was the best player. You know, and I played with Hall of Famers. And so that's just your mentality. You're that I, I think has to be your mentality at that level to get a chance at that level. But it's one thing to be able to compete, and it's another thing to be able to be a pro, I think is the easiest way to describe it. And so mm-hmm. we're going to compete like hell. And just because you're playing doesn't mean that I don't think I'm better, but I'm going to understand my role. And I'm going to understand that it's really important as a backup quarterback in the league. You're essentially an assistant coach, and you essentially have a lot more credit in the locker room than many of the assistant coaches. So whether it's game day, game sideline, trying to make the team better, whether it's in practice, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's in meetings, you know, there's a defined leadership influence role for you. And so I was always super intentional about that. And I think, you know, it's easy to weed guys out like that. And that's probably why some guys stick around longer than other guys. And so I was always hyper sensitive to what the role was I was being asked to do. Was I competing for a spot? Was I competing for a spot on the roster? Or was I locked in that I'm the backup we need you to influence the group. We got to move the group in the right direction. And so that part of it, I think, is like that in most quarterback rooms. Now, obviously, some quarterbacks' rooms can go sideways really quickly if, there's, if somebody's not playing well and somebody else thinks that they should or there's money issues or whatever. But the vast majority of rooms, guys understand their role. And so I, was, I always enjoyed it. They're pushing each other. You know, it's a fun group to usually watch film. Everybody's usually a grinder, you know, get after it from that element. It's you're at the absolute peak of the profession. You know, that's the other part of it that is fun is a, you know, I was less about being a professional football player and I always thought of myself more as just a professional competitor. You know, I just so happened that I kept playing football. And so it's fun to be around other people like that. It elevates the room. And so that part of it is special. You know, as far as there being some rooms sideways, yeah, I've been around some rooms. How about this room? I'll tell this story. I don't care about this story. I was in, I went to Oakland at the end and uh, gosh, who was playing? I think Jason Campbell maybe was playing at the time. Uh, Gradkowski just got hurt. Kyle Bowler was in the room. A couple other guys in the room. But the offensive coordinator was Hugh, Hugh Jackson. And before I got there, he had some sort of like falling out with the quarterback coach, which was Paul Hackett at the time. They didn't speak. So like, 
Q would come in to do his install to the quarterbacks before like the, the day gets started. The quarterbacks usually start a little bit earlier to do like overview. And then Paul, the quarterback coach would have to come in and be like, what'd you guys talk about? <laughs> and I'd be like, Holy cow, man, this is for real. Like, <laughs> you know, and it was like, and, and I mean, that's the extreme of it, but you know, tensions are tight. I mean, there's no secret about it, especially at the end of the season where people know jobs are on the line and you know, guys are making phone calls to line up next year. You know, that's just the reality of it. But you know, it's also coaches also know that coaching quarterbacks is the fast track. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You want to be a play caller. You want to be a head coach. You got to coach quarterbacks. You got to call plays. You got to be a fast track. So, you know, I, I, there's always that tension that you always get. I always thought you always get the best of the best. No offense to the rest of the position coaches, but most of those guys on offense aspire to coach quarterbacks. So a quarterback coach in the NFL, are they, are they coaching at all the, the throwing part of being a quarterback or is it all the game planning and the, the mental ability of the quarterback? You know, in season, very rarely, if ever, you know, the, the actual upper body mechanics, you know, there might be some focal points about footwork or certain plays or, you know, that type of thing. But the vast majority of it is planning, preparation, you know, as far as what you spend your time doing, walkthroughs, meetings, everything is going to be preparation. It's not going to be like that's. And at the same time, I haven't been around everybody. I know like guys like Peyton Manning, they used to film everyday individual and make the coaches watch it. I'm, I'm, one of my good buddies is Adam Gaze, and he used to complain that he'd have to watch individual every day with Peyton. <laughs> you know, so that's next level. I've never watched individual. So, so my other, my other big question, and, and it's uh, way off, I think. But um, so I'm an offensive line guy, uh, and so I've never had even a chance. I probably had a chance. I'm probably being lazy. But I, I never look at the passing game. I'm just trying to – obviously figure out offensive line, figure out the run game, you know, maybe pass protection, obviously, but nothing in the passing game. Well, this, these last few months or this month has given me some time to, I don't have anything else to do. Let's, let's learn some, some, uh, you know, passing concepts and, and different things. So uh, the other day I learned, and I forget, I forget what everyone calls it, but it's, it's to me, it's, you know, um, what is it walls? <laughs> really resonated with you it was I, I know what i know what we're reading was we're it, reading was it the, power pass we're reading no i know power there was pass. a guy in the flat yeah it was there's a guy in the flat and then i'm reading the inside he's, receiver the he's corner talk, he's talking about snag coach he's talking about oh, yeah. snag. Yeah, snag you're really you're pushing the limits there I, wow. I know what i know what we call it but i don't remember i, I know everyone everyone has a name for it um to me, it was kind of like smash. It looked like smash to me, but I guess it's way different. But it, with, with the tailback out. <laughs> Anyways, so I've learned that. I've learned that and how we read it, and I'm good with that. But if you're teaching a, a, a stupid offensive line guy like me, and, and I want the most – and it's probably a dumb question, but I want the most bang for my buck on a, on, a, um, on a passing concept, what would be the first thing that you would put in or the first thing that you would – help me out with and say, Hey, look at this concept first. It's going to give you the most bang for your buck. This is kind of the, the way to go. Uh, well, I mean, it's like, <laughs> for me, I, I, and I, I'm going to steal this. I'll, I'll cite the source. So you don't think I came up with it. I'm sure other people talk about this all the time too, but I don't necessarily think of concepts, you know, and, and that was as a player and now as a coach, you know, when I was playing, I was thinking, I'm gonna throw it to the best guy. Like you want to come up and tell me that it's a special concept and this is the read 
that's great for your grease board, but I'm going to throw it to the best guy. And so it's a little bit easier to do that in the league when everything is kind of tight. It's a little bit different at the high school level, but that's how I call plays. I don't necessarily think, God, what concept is going to be really good this week? I think, how are we going to get it to our best guy as often as possible? And if they do this, how can we get it to our next best guy as often as possible? And so, you know, my, my answer to you would be, who's your best receiver? Throw it down the field to them and let them have a chance to make the play. You know, it's not necessarily like, you know, I love slants. You know, I don't care what it is. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely yeah. have my favorite as like throwing like things that I like to throw better because I thought, you know, I might throw it better. But as far as like the best concept, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't worry about it like that. You know, I would worry about it like how many different ways can we get our best player the ball? What do they run really well? What does our quarterback throw really well? How can we mix and match that? to be as successful as we can possibly be on the perimeter and score as much as we possibly can. You know, it's not necessarily, that's why when I, I do on the channel, I do these like X and O's plays where I do a deep dive on a ski on a specific concept. And I like teaching concepts. That's the way that we teach it at the high school. I really, I'd literally go like, this is the smash concept. You know, if you go play in college, they will call it the smash concept. We don't necessarily call it that, but I want them to understand that it's a, you know, a locked hitch and a corner. And so, I think that there is some value to being able to understand those type of like Madden concepts. But when I'm thinking, when I'm calling plays or when I was playing, it was never like, gosh, we got to call smash. Cause I love smash. It was like, we better call smash. Cause I got the, my best player is running a corner. I'm gonna throw it to him. Like that, that's more my mindset in the past game. And I think it would translate to like the offensive line as you know, I don't, I don't necessarily love football analogies like this, but like if your best players, you know, your left guard, let's run over there. You know? Right. Perfect. No, that, that makes complete sense. I love that answer, too, because honestly, as, as a young coach, when I was coaching quarterbacks as well, that's one of the biggest takeaways I took from, you know, studying NFL stuff and studying, you know, professional coaches and professional quarterbacks, professional receivers, was that whole kind of dialogue for one, you know, the coordinator with the quarterback. I love that, you know, what do you like? as a quarterback, what do you feel comfortable throwing? And at the same time, Hey, Jimmy's our best receiver. Here's the routes. He does, runs really, really well. And here's the, the, you know, we have a really good chemistry throwing this type of ball or, or this type of route, you know, and taking that. And like you said, making that your starting point, it did make play calling so much easier. And not only that, the plays I did call were always more successful because guess what? Those guys had confidence in it. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, I think it has kind of a negative connotation nowadays to be like explaining the why to quarterbacks. And so when I, when we install plays, I spend a significant amount of time with the quarterbacks because I think it's a lot easier to teach one guy as opposed to teaching, you know, 11 guys to make all these adjustments. And so I, the way that I like to talk to the quarterbacks is this is the concept, you know, you'll learn it many different places. You'll play football many different for other coaches. This is what it is. I'm going to teach you the underlying principles of it, but I want you to know when we call it, I'm calling it because I want this guy to get the ball or I'm thinking not necessarily want, but this is what I'm thinking. Now, if it's there clean, take it. If it's not, you don't make me wrong. You gotta make me right. And so I think it's really helpful. I always appreciated coaches that told me the intent of the play call. It wasn't like, Hey, we're calling all, we're calling slants, get out there and find the open guy. Like, no, 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 bro. Like I want to know where's the matchup. What are we thinking? What, what's the matchup for this week? Uh, well, you know, what are we doing versus every single possible coverage and pressure? And, and then I'll be fine. And then I can go make the decision. But it can't just be like roll it out there like, 
good luck. You know, that being said, too, um, when you're setting up some of those plays, is that something where, you know, you're going to put, you know, the primary read or the, the number one read, are you going to put your dude there? Or is it something where, you know, I'm going to put him maybe later in the progression so I give him time to work. You know, he gets doubled, he gets extra attention. You know, does that kind of go into the, to the thought of the play as well? I mean, what's kind of your preference? Or is it obviously, you know, depend on maybe the matchups that week? Hey, if he could beat any of these guys in, in man coverage, you could probably put him as one. But now if he's going to get doubled, we put him later in the progression so we can work to him later. Yeah, we're not good enough to, like, go through necessarily, like, put him, like, two and threes. You know, if I'm calling a concept, I'm thinking this guy's going to be open. We do a lot of, you know, what, I, what I'm used to calling a peak kind of tempo, mm-hmm. you know. And so what, what I mean by that is everybody gets up to the line of scrimmage, we fake dummy, whatever, they look to me, and I call the play. And so if, I call, if I'm calling the play like that, and most teams out here don't have the capacity to, like, change the defense when we're going that fast. And so I'm pretty confident that the first look should be good. Now, if, you know, he might fall down. But, like, that type of stuff is I'm, I'm calling it thinking – this guy's going to get the ball, but no, our guy last year was, was a good, good decision maker, good scrambler. So if it wasn't there, you know, he wasn't necessarily getting like to number three and number four, but he was getting up the field and protecting the ball. How much with, you know, to me, again, as an offensive line guy, there seems like there's a thousand different defensive coverages um, and everyone calls it something different too. Uh, I think just to make it more confusing. But anyways, there's a thousand different defensive coverages, it seems like. Uh, With you having that ability to be on the same page with your quarterback and him to have the same, you know, have that knowledge of, okay, we're calling this for a reason. It's for this guy. Coach just called it off of a check with me. He must think that this guy should be open on this. How much do you talk to them then about different coverages, uh, at least on the whiteboard? Uh, early on in our installation, just so we're speaking from the same kind of lexicon, we talk about, we, we really keep it. I try to keep it as simple as defensively for the quarterbacks is middle field, open middle field, closed man or zone. And then really all we talk about front wise is, uh, even odd or bare and everything other than that is kind of pressure centric, but we're so spread that we don't necessarily get a whole lot of overload six man stuff or stuff like that. We get, we get more like here they come zero. Or nothing and so you know we I, I want them to have an understanding I think I have a responsibility as a kind of an educator to, to give them kind of a baseline understanding but I don't necessarily go out there and differentiate you know was that three was that six was that buzz was that backer was that fire zone like I don't care like that's not how I played you know I played closed open man zone let's roll and so even within that uh, many of the concepts are just pure progressions anyways but I still want them to at least have the understanding of what they're seeing and I feel like they're out there with like some abstract painting that they're looking at. Coach, uh, you know, when you were talking earlier about, you know, being a, a backup quarterback, it, it kind of piqued, you know, a question for me, you know, you see it quite often now, especially in the league, you, you're seeing a lot of, you know, backup quarterbacks who've become, you know, head coaches and offensive coordinators. Do you think kind of that, that experience for them of having to, you know, be in a leadership role, but also, you know, keeping other people happy, keeping the locker room rolling, you think that's kind of been one of the reasons why those guys maybe do better in that job than say some of the quote hall of fame QBs or big time guys, you know, without, yeah. I mean, without having any sort of like real research to back it up, I think that there are some traits of that type of role that translate well to being a coach, you know, the, 
the selfless element, the element of being able to put the team, you know, before your necessarily your kind of individual accomplishments is something that that translates well. I think you also get kind of a almost by accident, you know, you're really a an NFL assistant coach is what you are. You're better paid and you're and you're you know, you've got this cool view for how things operate and you get kind of a macro perspective without necessarily having to call the plays, but you understand, you know, just about every element, at least on the offensive side of the ball about what's going on. And so very few other positions have that luxury. And so I think it does translate well into that. You know, I was, I was around guys like I played with Doug Peterson and Doug is as sharp as they get, you know, he's a good old boy, but, but he's as sharp as they get. And he was, he was fun to be around. And there's a lot of guys like that, you know, that Doug has made a, he did a, he's taken a great job and obviously turned around a franchise, but, but he's was sharp as a whip when he was playing. And so I, I do think that there are some elements that, that kind of translate over with it. I'm always shocked that guys want to do that though, <laughs> you know, unless they were in like one or two spots, you know, there's just the uncertainty at that level is just crazy. So, so my interest coach is at the NFL and it sounds like, you know, at your high school, you've taken, it seems like at least quite a bit of this off your quarterback by being able to check with me and being more of a spread offense. But um, the cool part to me at, at, you know, even at Stanford and Rice and, and then going in the NFL is there are some of these systems where the quarterback gets up there and, and can kill or alert, you know, into, uh, you know, specifically run plays you know, from, from one side to the other, depending on what they're looking at or, or if they've got a front that they, that they absolutely hate, you know, killing it off of that run play. Is that something that in all the systems that you were in, that, that, that was a, a big thing for the quarterback? Or is that just certain systems in the NFL? I would say it's, it's certain systems. I think it, it, it's a combination of system and the capacity of the quarterback. You know, so I've been around some guys that, that probably couldn't handle that type of responsibility consistently. And then I've been around some guys that want to make sure that we're in the best play every single snap. And so you build in those kill alert type of models to be able to do that. I think you also need to have a play caller who can get the play in fast enough. You know, I've been around a bunch of guys that would, you know, be telling you the formation and then the mic would cut off, you know, so you never want that to happen. You know, it's hard to do that at 15 seconds left in the play clock. So it's a combination. You got to have the systemic structure to be able to do that and play fast. But then you got to have a guy who, and first, and then you got to be around guys who can actually get you into the right play. Been around a handful of guys that would kill it into the wrong player, over it to the other play. And you're just, you know, all of a sudden that's a fast way to get people fired. <laughs> that's right. So, so if the mic cuts out, um, do you guys have, obviously, I'm sure you do. Is there a, what's the what's the standard you know operating procedure at that point if you don't get the play in you better have a play that works in that personnel and you're locked <laughs> on your head you know I've, I've been around some coaches i this is a true story i've been around some coaches that didn't like you know because in the league it's it's a little different high school you know you almost have no say on who's on your team college you know you have some say who's on your team as far as if you got a chance to recruit them but in the league you know if you're a position coach you might not like the guy who's in your room you know, it might be some personnel guy who traded for him. You might not have evaluated him well. You might not enjoy him. And so I've been around some coaches that would literally say that, you know, everybody's got the script. So they're reading the script to you and they'd be like wide right and like turn their face away. You're like, wait, what, bro? <laughs> and so it's like, you know, did you study the script? You know, the, and they'd try to be like, you know it well enough. Is it preparation? Are you prepared? I'd be like, just say it clearly. You know, like, 
you know, there's you, so I always had a plan of like, and at that point at that level, you kind of know, I'll just roll the simplest play I possibly can out of this personnel group. But, but yeah, it happens. It happens probably more than you would think. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, coach who was, who was, you know, I mean, obviously you, you play that long in the league and, you know, you, you get to see all kinds of games and all kinds of guys play. And not only that, you know, I, I think you do a phenomenal job, you know, breaking down QBs and evaluating QBs, you know, in, in your mind and your estimation, you know, you don't have to say your top QB, but who'd be the top two or three QBs that you watch play and, and maybe some reasons why. You mean all time? All time that you saw. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I probably enjoyed, I played with Favre and Brady. And so those two obviously would be, would jump to the top, you know, for different reasons. I think the thing that resonated with me for Favre, you know, it's a fine, it's a weird thing. I'm not sure. I'm sure many people who listen to this have had an opportunity to uh, meet their heroes, you know, but very rarely do you get a chance to like work with your hero. And so there's nowhere anybody can go in that situation, but down. And what I mean, you know, like you hold someone (laughs) on a pedestal, you know, you just can't live up to it. It's, it's unrealistic. And so Brett probably exceeded my expectation on the practice field and on the field. He's that good. I mean, legitimate cannon rifle, you know, but we're not necessarily the same type of dude, you know, no offense to him. I don't think he'd care less, but like, you know, that type of thing, we were at different parts of our life and career. And so it was just a, that part of it, he could never live up to it. Now he's funny as hell. And we had some amazing times and meetings, but like, we just were never, you know, I was never going to go hunting with him. You know, no offense. That's just not my, I'm a, like I said, I'm a California kid, man. Like, that's just not our, that's not how we roll necessarily. And so we just didn't, that wasn't it. But like what he was on the practice field, how hard he, you know, I think people think like, God, he played so hard, never came off the field. That dude played like that every snap in practice. He competed more than anybody. And I loved it. And like, I took that and hijacked it for the rest of my career and competed like that. Would never, you're never going to sack me in a practice. Like I'm going to keep playing to the whistle, play all the way through the sideline, that type of stuff. And so that part of it was awesome. The thing with Brady that I thought that I, that I took that I had no idea about, and it was really refreshing to me because at the time I went there, I had only been in quote unquote, like West coast systems. So it was fun to see how Brady and Josh McDaniels was really young at the time. Brady, Josh and Bill kind of all, all did the offense together. And I had never been around another head coach who spent so much one-on-one time with the quarterback. I feel like damn near every other day, he and Tom would have like an hour meeting after practice. You know, we'd all be sitting in the, in the quarterback room being like, when can we start? And they're like, well, Tom's in with Bill. And like, I just ne- like at that, and I still have never had that much. I've never seen that type of interaction. And so I try to do that with our quarterbacks. Now I definitely don't spend an hour every day with them like that. <laughs> but I am, I am cognizant of what that represented, I think, for both of them, the organization, and, and that they were just always on the same page and had a deeper understanding than like, hey, this is how you throw it flat. You know, it was, everything was tethered together, and they had kind of an understanding of what the plan was, what they were really trying to do long term. Well, that's, uh, you know, it's cool to hear both those stories, actually, for me. Um, you know, I'm, I, I used to, before our, our college games, I'd watch uh, Brett Favre's documentary about uh, getting in a wreck and still playing that, that senior season and um, got the same birthday as Brett Favre. So uh, that's, that's a, uh, cool just to hear any story about him. But then, uh, so, so my question with, with the Patriots, and this is probably, a, again, another stupid question, 
do, do you think that obviously they've won a, a ton of games, a lot of Super Bowls. They've got great players. They've got Tom Brady and a great coach. It is, in your opinion, is it they do a great job personnel-wise because the league is so huge personnel-wise and, and the cap is so important? Or is it something that Belichick and the coaches he has are doing something completely different or holding a different standard or something compared to – most other teams in the NFL. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'll put it this way. Like, I don't have a good answer for that. I think that, you know, I think the easy uh, comparison would be like, would Belichick or Brady have had as as much success on their own? No, neither of them probably would have, but it takes that type of relationship and timing and luck for you to have something like this. I will tell you that being around the Patriots for, and I was only there for not even half a season, like six, seven weeks. But I've never been around that type of team meeting environment. And what I mean by that is most head coaches don't have the capacity to be a position coach for every position. And Bill does. And he would call out everyone. I remember him calling out Tom in, in meetings. I remember him calling out DBs in meetings. I remember him calling out offensive linemen in team meetings and circling them. And, you know, most of those kind of early day meetings are kind of agenda setting. This is the schedule for the week. This is the schedule for the day. This is what the trip looks like. Like Bill was half hour. You know, this is what, this is who we're playing this week. They're the greatest team ever. This is our practice film from yesterday. If we play like this, we're going to lose. You know, this is what we need to do to win. And he would call out everybody. And so I'd never been around that type. And I don't think it exists anywhere else. And I think that's why maybe some of those guys that have on that tree have failed trying to do that other places. Because it's really hard to resonate like that and get that type of buy-in with guys who are at that level. Really, anywhere. You know, if, if you treat people like that for 20 years, anywhere, it's going to be hard. You know, and so I don't know how they get it to work like that. And uh, I was just always blown away that his understanding of, of every single position was like nothing I'd ever seen before. So, so of all the teams that you were at, were there certain head coaches that – you look at and, and said, I want to be that type of a head coach? Or when you decided to finally be a head, you know, once you had time to look back, I mean, you decide, hey, I want to go be, a, you know, a coach in high school. And, and, and you look at these coaches, you know, did you, did you start thinking, okay, what, what were some really good coaches I had? I want to be like that. Or were you just, hey, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be exactly how I am. Um, and, and let's roll from there. Both. I mean, I, like, like anything, I think the same uh, way that I went about it playing. You know, I was around a lot of quarterbacks, and I couldn't necessarily do the, some of the things that all of them could do, whether it be arm-wise or size-wise or speed-wise. But I tried to cherry-pick, you know, the things that I could take and apply to my game and be like that type of sponge. And I did the, I'm trying to do the same thing with the coaches. But at the same point, I think you make a really good point about like, I don't want to be perceived as like being a mini Belichick or being a mini, you know, Mike McCarthy. Like I would. I'm comfortable enough to say, like, this is me. This is how I like to operate. I think that it resonates with players when, you, when I say, you know, I appreciated coaches who were honest with me and told me straight up, this is the situation, and we're transparent about the process. And so that's how I try to be. You know, I don't know, necessarily know if I am. You'd have to ask them, but that's the intent of it. And so it's, it's a, kind of that anecdotal experience of being like, hey, this is what I liked. And so I'm going to try to create that for our students and our athletes and, and hope that it builds it in the right direction. 
How important is it, you know, you, you said it a couple times, you know, hey, I, I run the offense that, that I would have liked to run. You know, I, I run, I do things that I, that I would have liked to do as a player. You know, how important do you think that is, you know, for, for a coach? Because it seems like there's so many guys out there that, you know, they talk about, yeah, the reason I coach, it's for the kids and stuff like that. But then it's like, then they turn around and they're going to grind kids and they're going to, you know, maybe do things. It's like, I don't know necessarily if I like this, but this is what we've always done. You know, how important is that to you to kind of create a culture and, and something there that when you go to work, it's like, man, this, this is fun. This is the stuff I'd want to be doing if I was playing football. Yeah, I, I think you hit on it right there. I think we're uh, very intentional about that experience and is kind of the main, uh, one of our main purposes and values and goals is to create a great experience for our student athletes. And, you know, I think that there's an element of, you know, you have to win to have a great experience and but at the same time it has to be fun you know and so i think we're really intentional about how we try to create that environment i don't know if we succeed all the time we certainly don't but i think that we're very i think that i try to be as transparent as possible about the why and the process you know things just as an example you know we are pulaski academy we don't punt we onside kick we you know we always go for it we uh you know, we're trying to be as explosive as possible with what we do offensively. And uh, does that put our defense in a bad spot sometimes? Absolutely. But at the same time, we're built to come back. You know, for a team that we took over that was 1-9 and nine and scored 60 points total the year before, you know, we had a game this year where we scored 60 points. We had a game this year where we scored 70 points. You know, we, there's, it's a mindset of being like, hey, we're down 14, or we score 14 points in less than 90 seconds all the time. Like, it's, it's not a thing, but you have to do it. They have to believe it. You know, I can tell them that I'm intentional with how the system and structure is created and our process and strategy, but until they see it, you know, there's just this, you know, not necessarily a lack of faith, but it's a lot easier to believe when you've done it two weeks in a row, that type of thing. And so I, th you know, we try to basically, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking of it as I try to take the empathetic route of what would I want? You know, how would I feel if I had to get on the line and run, you know, 10 gassers? I never thought that was smart. So you know what? We're not going to do that. Look at that. I make the decision. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, it's taking it from that mindset. You know, I think that there is some value to it. I think there's just as much value as, you know, asking our guys that we make run a lot on the perimeter. Like, Hey, how you feeling, dude? Like, let's check in. It's Wednesday. You know, what do you want to do? You know, we experimented with like no sweat Wednesday, which is going around different places. And, and I'm always hypersensitive to, legs and not necessarily how much we're running because we run a lot because we try to practice fast and get a lot of reps in but we never condition and so this idea of being you know smart about what that wear and tear looks like because it's not just about the thing that it's hard to understand when you're in high school as me trying to think back to that is yeah in high school you feel great everybody feels great but like what are you going to feel like week 14 like we're playing for championships. Like I'm, we're trying to set a new type of standard and understanding and, and kind of belief. It's not just like, Hey, I feel great. It's week four. Everybody feels great. It's week four. What are you going to feel like in week 14 when you've only ever played 10 games in your life? Well, we're playing on Thanksgiving. You know, that's the, that's the, those are the type of things that I want them to start thinking about that just a different model than maybe they've been asked to do. And so, and it, but it goes in with everything, you know, the work, the work ethic, the preparation, the scheme, the time that we're, the commitment, all those things go together, both individually as individual players, 
and collectively as a program, like, yo, it's not good enough to have this many people. We need more people here. You know, we, we need our numbers to continue to grow. Well, they're not going to grow if guys are, are not having a good experience. They're just not. So I, I think, you know, we got probably a surge of 10 guys last year on like week three. And we, you know, we're not good enough to say like we have cuts or anything out here. Like we need the dudes. Like, yeah, basketball team, you want to play? Yes, it's fun. Yeah, we probably are going to score more than you. Like, let's go. <laughs> uh, coach, with that type of a mindset, obviously I think defensive metrics, and, and Walls has talked about this a little bit, but it kind of goes out, out at the window. You know, it, it, at least traditional metrics uh, that probably defenses think about. Uh, I, I, re- I remember being in college, and I think the best that defense we ever had was when a defense coordinator finally come in and say, hey, I don't really care about any of the yards, but if we get, you know, whatever it was, two or three turnovers, then that's, that's a good game for us, uh, you know. But, and I'm sure they had some, some different things that they did yards-wise. But what do you look at with your defense, and, and you talk about with your defensive kids or, or with your coaches, what are the metrics that are important for you guys when you sit down and look at your defense knowing that, you know, you don't punt or knowing that you're going to onside kick it or that you might score so many times that the, the defense is going to have to be out there quite a bit of times if, if you're scoring, you know, 70 points. Yeah, we talk about it as, as, a, as a team effort. So we, you know, for whatever reason, our, we've determined that our best strategy to win is to be, is to make this like a five and a half quarter game. And so we play at that level every single week. We think it gives us a systemic advantage. We're always trying to steal possessions, whether it's an onside kick, which we would consider as a turnover, or it's getting turnovers on defense. We're trying to steal possessions. And if we steal two of those, if we're in the plus two, we're going to win. Our our math says almost 100% of the time. So if we get two onside kicks, you see our guys like doing cartwheels on the sideline. They know it's over. like It's on. (laughs) And so it's it's a different level of excitement. You know, I also think we get, you know, almost 33 starters versus 22 starters. So it's a different level of buy-in. With the defensive, you know, I make no bones about it. They're in a tough spot sometimes. But it's a team game, and it's a team collective win. Our goal for them is to have them score less points than we do. That's what it comes down to. I don't care about yards. I don't care about almost any other variable other than points. We celebrate points. We celebrate touchdowns. We celebrate two-point conversions. And we celebrate turnovers. Love it, man. Makes football a heck of a lot, a lot of fun. I know that. And like you said, you're, you're getting those, those good athletes out. Um, coach, you know, going back again to, you know, talking about Brett Favre, everybody seems to have a, a Brett Favre story about like, what, what was the greatest throw you ever saw him make? I mean, all I, it's almost, <laughs> all it's of them? Bo- no, I mean, it's really hard to differentiate. Like, I mean, it, it happens so often. And so many of them were in practice where, you know, you kind of like look to the side and be like, yo, did he just throw that? Like, I remember, well, the th- you know, it's in vogue nowadays, but like uh, the no look pass. So Brett used to throw every pass in walkthroughs, no look, every pass. And so he did it. I want to say we were playing in Detroit and he did it on a, like a, it's what we used to call it, like a burst check, th- check down. So like the back would be on the left. And he would go through the line of scrimmage and like run a flat to the right. And he kind of like quarter rolled. He kind of like got put flushed out of the pocket and looked over the middle and flicked it to the right, you know, to the check down, no look for a touchdown. And it was only like from like the 10 yard line, but you would have thought 
that he was like a kid on Christmas day morning. He <laughs> runs over to the side, like, did you see my no look? You know, like guys thrown for 350 touchdown passes. He's so excited about a no look flat, you know, that type of stuff that, that, you know, not necessarily like the cannon rip throw, but it was just how much he, he legit loved the game and it's contagious. And I think that's why he resonated with so many fans is like, it was obvious through the camera that he loved to compete and loved to play. And he was real about it. You know, that was him. That was, that was, there was no fake to that. The, the other part, well, the part, the, I love, there are so many Brett-isms. One of the things that I use today, still to this day, he used to call meetings beatings. So he'd be like, oh man, we got another beating. God. <laughs> and, so, and, I, and I get it for him, right? Like he was in the offense longer than our quarterback coach at the time had coached. You know, it's hard. He would always be like, the guy's name was Daryl Bevel. He's the guy who's notorious for not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. And he yep. would be like, he'd be like, Daryl, you know, what were you doing in whatever, like 1992 or 1993? And Daryl would be like, you know, I was winning the Rose Bowl for Wisconsin. I was a quarterback. And, Darryl, and Brett would be like, I was the MVP of the league. So I think I got the read. <laughs> you know, stuff like that where you're just like, it's good natured, right? Like you can't make that stuff up, but like, it's still funny. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, go coach the third string guy. <laughs> And I get it, like, you know, it's, it would be tough if you're in the same offense for that long. But it was always good-natured. I never felt – and it, to be honest with you, let me get a better story as far as things that, like, actually resonated with me that I took into it for a long time is he gave me a great thing. I was complaining about the coaching and kind of being pissed that I went from basically being the backup to the fourth-string quarterback. And he would, told me straight up, it was just me and him in the, in the quarterback room. He's like, JT, he's like, at some point, you got to overcome your coaching. And I really took that to be like, you know what? I don't care what situation I'm in. This is up to me and how well I play. And I think I'm good enough and I'm going to make this thing work. And it was just that simple of like, you got to overcome your coaching to be like, that's not an excuse. And I, and I still use that all the time. I use it when we teach leadership. I, I use it all the time. That's awesome. That's a, that is awesome. And it's crazy that that's a, that's a thing, even at the, uh, at the highest level. Um, so, so, and, and I don't want to, we don't want to steal all your secrets, obviously, but adding everything up that you've said, right. I'm assuming you guys are getting a lot of, you know, 10 and in pass plays that, that need to get in the end zone, you know, whether that's, you know, your fourth down or you're going for two, uh, and, and the thing that's to be said about the spread offense is they have a tough time getting it in the end zone. Other thing that you said was, uh, I want to get the ball to my dude. What is, what's, what's some of your what's one of or one of your favorite or and I know it's specific probably but what, what's a way that you get it to your to your guy uh down in in that compact area well I mean this is cheating and this is totally uh goes against the metrics for most people so I'll give you two answers one of them is we have probably a division one six five wide receiver right now and so we're going to throw him the ball would be the easiest answer the <laughs> other the other uh, answer is I like to keep, and this is more of a philosophical approach more than anything else. It gets a little bit condensed when you start talking tight red zone like this, but I'm always trying to stretch people horizontally and vertically. And so what I mean by that is nowadays, it's so easy to get into like jet motion, you know, have a pre-snap RPO, a post-snap conflict defender and, and, and roll RPO wise. And if you want to, you know, heat us up with what inevitably happened this year, we got, I think, really good in our RPO game. And people just don't – I don't necessarily know if it's the area that we're at or what, but people 
there aren't the vast majority of teams are not spread RPO teams right now. They might they might have a few, but they're not living in it. You know, it's not their blood. It's our blood. And so people would kind of try to overload us. And if basically if we get heated up, you know, you're either coming at us in zero or we're going to run it in. And, it's, and, you know, that's no doubt about it. And so if you heated us up, we would just, you know, give our wide receiver a, either he can run a slant or he can run a fade. And, you know, I would prefer that they run a slant. And, you know, you, you should be able to complete a slant with no middle field player. With with the RPO, or do you have a, a bunch of different ways to do it, or are you a man RPO? Like you're, you're you got your quarterback looking at a certain guy, or is he a space, or do you guys do it a bunch of different ways? Uh, last year we were we were, I, I probably handcuffed ourselves because we only had one guy that I was comfortable with taking snaps, and so I didn't run him at all. This year we'll have all three levels of RPOs. You know, last year we majored in second level RPOs, and we would really just read, you know that backer away from where we were running all right coach well we, we've uh, we've took up an hour of your time and, and i'm sure we could make it like you said three hours but uh to last thing we i like to ask before cutting anybody loose is you're watching another team's offensive line what's some things that would make you think highly that the line would be doing that would make you think highly of the offensive line coach you know as i said earlier i'm a fan of this show right so i was i'm locked and loaded for this question <laughs> so <laughs> yes. right you you got to forgive me a little bit you know i will say and i don't want to hurt your feelings but like the assumption in that question is that i watch a lot of other teams offensive lines <laughs> and i no, be honest no oh no <laughs> i don't you know i don't want to well, hurt my, their my feelings, feelings are hurt. <laughs> but i will tell you that i i understand the intent of what this question is and so i want to answer it as honestly as i possibly can so for me and i you know i'm a i, I got drafted with LaCharles. i've heard a bunch of people on this podcast and i think that there's any different ways to answer this question and so i don't want to necessarily like go down the rabbit hole of like stance and technique for up front but i will tell you if i'm thinking of a coach and this is not necessarily o-line coach really any coach I'm thinking of what does the longevity of that unit look like, their performance? You know, it's obviously easy to do it when you got an all-pro guy or pro bowlers or all-Americans or all-league guys, but what does it look like over the course of years where you might be a little thinner on talent? You know, how do you get that group to collectively work together? It's, it's one of those things where I'm always thinking about what does it look like when the seventh and eighth guy's in there? That's how I'd really differentiate. Everybody can coach the starter. You know, what does it look like when the, the second guard is in there or the second tackle is in there? And uh, does that unit still have the capacity to rumble and at least work collectively like you think some those high-level offensive line unit works? Then the second part that I look at from an offensive line perspective is I, I want to see like a tangible, and this is a little soft. You got to go. Don't, don't, you know, then play up front to start <laughs> with. But like I'm looking for like the energy and joy to become like tangible through the film and during the game. Like, do they love to play together? And what I mean by that is, do they celebrate with their teammates on touchdowns? Do they, you know, are they picking up the ball carrier? Are they clearing people off? Are they covering down the field? Are they blocking through guys, through the whistle, through the sideline, into the Gatorade? Is that the norm? Or is that like the one-off? Is that kind of like, I watch, this is one thing I definitely watch with our offensive line, is what do you do on a turnover? Are you looking for the sideline? Are you looking for if you're going to get ear hold? Are you going to make a tackle? Are you a football player? You know, and those type of things, that's what I think are like the things that are coached. I want to see be 
tangible, but I also want to see those guys love to be together. And I think that comes from the position coach. And so I'm always looking for, I want to see how they celebrate. I want to see if they pick up their guy. Are they going to get people off of them? Get up. We got to go, you know, that type of thing that, that I think is, you know, a little bit different than like, Hey, you know, how did they get off? You know, I want to see their get off or I want to see their, you know, do they come off the deuce block? Like, I, you know, yeah, obviously you got to do that. But like, you know, I want to see the collective energy love for each other is that thing tangible can i see it on the film does it resonate snap after snap after snap that that i really think kind of differentiate any position coach but it's really special with the offensive line because it is a special group it's a different unit than any other unit on the field in my opinion coach man it's been an absolute blast you gave a fantastic answer uh honestly the the first part there you talk about longevity and consistency uh, no one said that. So congratulations. You know, you can feel, you can feel good about that. <laughs> right. I appreciate that. But, uh, seriously, you know, looking forward to seeing what the way, where you could take this thing. I think it's getting huge and, you know, also look forward to the, uh, the first time you can teach Harper a, a pass concept. That's not power pass. <laughs> I got, I got power pass down, give it to the fullback in the flat. Throw it to I, him, throw it to him a thousand times, unless he's not open, then throw it up to the tight end. You know, the worst part about that play is that, like, I, if you throw it, like, a foot behind a fullback who's running full speed to the sideline, you, it's just going to make you look terrible. Like, oh, that, yeah. thing has to, that thing has to be so perfectly thrown. And you would think it's an easy throw, but to a guy with, like, a big old neck roll, can't turn his head, and he's all excited, he just bluffed a defensive end, and, like, no, it's all <laughs> – I was trying to throw that corner. <laughs> See, I like being able to do it with the tailback. I think that's all – I don't know if the fake's not as good, but – putting him out in the flat and keeping the fullback in. I've always liked that, but I guess, I don't well, know, maybe the fake's not as good. Here, here's my thing. I, this is, now this goes back to my college days. We were, at a, we were kind of a, a throw-it-down-the-field type of, type of program, if you couldn't guess. But I remember we did this. We had this really famous boot that we used to play, and it was really a chuck-it-down-the-field type throw. Well, I get out there, and I'm used to doing that. You know, the tight end would, like, seal the edge. I'd boot out there, set my feet 10 yards deep, and, and I checked it down to the flat, to the – tight end in the flat and my coach pulls me aside and he goes hey he goes you think that we're gonna have all these people running misdirection running around faking people for you to throw a flat <laughs> like we'll just throw a flat if i want to throw a flat this is to throw it down the field <laughs> so i always took that into like hey we're taking a shot <laughs> i love it that's always my thing too if you're gonna play action you know and you'd still see people you know, play action and they're throwing like intermediate throws and things like that i'm like Dude, what the heck? You know, I, I can we can run the ball a couple times and get twelve yards. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm gonna have a play fake, I'm throwing the ball deep. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest with you, it's a it's easier for us. We, we you know we're gonna go for it on fourth down every single play. I'm I'm trying to call it where it's in my head. It's like third and twelve every single play. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, you know, I'm I just that's our mindset. We look at I want as many chunk plays as possible, just because it's such a momentum killer. It just it just. It's so much fun, too. Like, let's roll. Yeah. I, 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 that's awesome. I, I'm sure our offense coordinator hates me because I, I run – I go over there for team and I'll run the – because I want to work with the linemen, but I run the, the, scout defense, the scout offense for the defense. That way I can still work with my linemen. But no one else really comes over there with me, so I'm with the, the backup quarterback. And the defense always has the guy they want him to throw it to, and it's always the slant or something. I'm, and, and the quarterback does, and I'm like – why would you ever throw it to that guy? It's like, no one's watching you anyways. Let's throw this thing deep and try to embarrass the defense. So I'm sure I, I screw up all the reads, but we're, 
we're down the field first. And if you throw an interception, who cares? You're in practice. Let's throw it. Hey, I can't tell you how many times I got in trouble in the league where they would have like the card, the old school card, and it would be like circle, throw it to this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, bro, I'll be like, I'll be honest with you. And I would tell it to every quality control guy who had to do the scout team. I'm like, I'm not throwing a pick. I don't care. I'm not throwing an interception. Like those yeah. things are contagious. That's not how I roll. And so it was just a, and, and I'm sure it got me kicked off scout teams every once in a while, but I was, we, they used to do like feel good Fridays in the league. They're like, nah, you feel good off somebody else. <laughs> hey, one quick question. You know, you talk about shot plays. How many shot plays do you carry coach? Like on, on your script? I know I'd build a bank up as I'd go through the year, but how many do you kind of generally go into a, a game plan with? Uh, I would probably say more than most people just because I think of it, I break it down uh, once you cross the 50 mm -hmm. to really, I call it an alumni zone uh, where you're going to like make the alumni happy on those huge, you know, 40 plus chunks. And then I call it like a money zone, a green zone where you're going to get paid. You know, it was always the thing in the league, like outside the red zone. And then I break down the red zone by 10 yards. And so we probably have three or four shot plays in each of those. Now, some of them carry over to normal down and distance, but once we cross the 50, you know, I'm, I'm trying to throw it into the end zone. Love it. I'm a shot guy too, man. My favorites. Hey, man, don't overthrow it either. That's like my biggest pet peeve. It, yeah, that's probably one of the more undercoached things. I mean, you look at a lot of QB coaches. I mean, you have to like actually practice how far do you throw it, you know, knowing who the post runner is and things like that. We talk about that all the time with our guys. Hey, this is a 35-yard post. This is a 40-yard post with this guy. This go route, you got to throw here. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, hey, send the guy deep and just throw it to him. No, you got you to kind of map some of that stuff out. Yeah. I know. I'm the exact same way. In the league, it's really specific where on many go routes, we would talk about guys as like, hey, this guy's a 42. This guy's a 46. This guy's a 44. You know, like where to put the ball and drop it in the bucket just based on what type of their speed is. And so you're, you're absolutely right. I'm a, it's just – it's the other thing that kills me is the overthrows. It's just like, give our guy a chance. We've got such an advantage and we teach our guys to like, you know, you got to go through the guy. If you don't think you're going to get it or it's going to be close, you got to play defense, whatever. But our guy is probably a better catcher of the football, more coordinated than their guy because their guy's playing defense, like no offense to the defensive guy, but if he was better, he'd be playing receiver. So like, I like the chances. How do you, how do you rep those type of routes? Uh, with, like you said, you don't want to put too many miles on your receivers, but it seems like uh, you would need to work those full speed to know what that receiver is going to be at. Is that something that you're, you kind of get a good feel of at the beginning of the year, or is that something you have to continue to work throughout the year? I mean, I would say it's, you know, it's a common, it, it seeps into every drill that we do, whether it's pat and go and there's nobody out there. We probably practice more on air than just about anybody that I'm familiar with, I'm sure some people practice all practice just on air, but when the tempo that we try to roll at, it, it almost muddies it up to where it doesn't do us any good to practice full team with a scout team. And so, you know, it's difficult for us to get those kind of collision looks like that. It's more of a mindset, a mentality. They know on a deep shot that they're going to get a chance at the ball and that if they want to get a chance again, it's not going to get intercepted. Awesome. <clears throat> Love it. Harp. This was one of my favorite ones, not going to lie. Man, I thought we – you guys got me all excited for some O-line stuff too, and now we're just talking shots. I like it. <laughs> well, that's uh, – honestly, I, I'm trying to that, – that's all I've got in my repertoire right now. I call the JV games, and now all I've got is I, I call a lot of posts. So that, and then I, I call play action, uh, you know, whatever, the, 
one guy's running the corner, the other guy's running the post. So I didn't have much. I'm trying to figure out uh, how to be a little bit more fancy. We run the ball a lot and and throw shots in, in JV night. Hey, that's the best, man. Play action shots are the best. <laughs> I love but, it. We uh, we we protect with probably two minutes. That's the offensive line coach. I mean, we're gonna uh, probably only put two guys out in the route and protect with everybody else. But uh, we're gonna throw it downfield. So, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on and 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 talking with us. Yeah, no problem. It was fun, y'all. I, I really do appreciate what you guys do. I know how hard it is to put out content, and uh, and I, I I'm not I'm not sugarcoating you when I tell you that I listen to a lot of them. So I appreciate it. You the man, JT. Appreciate you. Hopefully, be uh, be able to talk soon. And if I got more questions, you uh, you won't big time me now. Hey, I would hope I would never big time you, but yeah, no, no doubt. Y'all ever and y'all ever get out to San Diego, you know, come check it out. And that's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.